Welcome back to the EverybodySuffers.com podcast. After all, everybody suffers, so how can I pray for you? I'm Carl Brown, and my hope is that through this podcast, I can help you make sense out of suffering so that either you can experience consolation or you can share consolation with others. Today's episode is the third interview with Ed Joza, the author of The Mystic Next Door. We've talked about a couple of experiences that Ed had prior to a, a, a horrific car accident. Today, we're going to have Ed walk us through what that was like, what the accident was like. And t- this episode is sponsored by Our Lady of Kibeho. Kibeho, Rwanda was the site of the most recent major church-approved apparition of Our Blessed Mother. She warned us of the Rwandan genocide in, of 1994, 10 years before it happened. And she also reintroduced the Seven Sorrows Rosary. And the warning she gave the people of Rwanda was a warning for the whole world. So what will you do now? Will you pray the Seven Sorrows Rosary as she asked? Or will you one day regret not having done enough to prevent what she warned us about? Let's start out with prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Come Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle in them the fire of your love. Lord, send forth your spirit, and they shall be created, and you shall renew the face of the earth. Lord, help me to say only what you want me to say, and make me forget whatever it is you don't want me to say. And open the ears of our listeners so they can hear whatever it is that you want them to hear. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Holy Mother Mary. of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. amen. Ed, thanks so much for joining us on this third interview, and welcome to the podcast. Yeah, it's great to be back, Carl. Enjoying our our, our daily talks. It's been awesome, and I hope, hope it's been giving folks things to think about. Yeah, I've had a couple people message me about both of the episodes we've already done number one the the lifeguard episode and then number two the the crucifix episode this is a different focus because in this episode we're just going to be talking about the real world the physical world the world we can see it's not the real world but the world that we can see and this is all about an a car accident that you were in and when was that car accident it was may 30th of 2017 Okay. 5.45 p.m. if you want to be exact. <laughs> <laughs> and it's safe to say that that car accident changed your life, right? Yeah, it was. The, the The effects of that car accident, you know, here it is, you know, seven years later, coming up rapidly on seven years later. I Physically, I still, I will never, I will never recover from that car accident and went through, you know, untold tortures. And I will, I will tell you, that it was, I mean, I've, I have, I'm married to a woman that I love desperately and I have three kids that I love the same way. The day of that accident was the best day of my life. And I know that sounds crazy, but I am, I'm so thankful and I'm so blessed that it happened. Wow. And we're going to talk about the stuff that happened in in this world, but the next episode, we're going to talk about the mystical experiences that you had as a result of this accident. But can you tell us what was going on before the accident took place? Where were you headed? Who were you with? And what was going on? 
Yeah, and that a again it, the the story, you know, f- from this point forward is it's a story of absolute miracles, and they're everywhere. And it, what I was doing, I was cutting the grass, and my kids needed to go to track practice to my two youngest kids, and my wife came out and said, "Hey, you want me to take them?" And I I said no, so I got in the car and I took them, and and that's miracle number one. The doctors explained after the wreck that if anybody shaped in any other way than me was in that car, there's no way they would have lived. There's no way I should have lived, but they attribute certain body characteristics to that survival. So that's first miracle. My wife wanted to take them. I was busy and and I said, no, you know what? I'll take them. And I stopped and I, and I went and took them. But yeah, so it was my my middle boy and my youngest daughter on the way to track practice, you know, just 10 or 15 minutes away. And uh, we had a neighbor boy with us as well. We were carpooling. So uh, that's where we were going. And and then we were, the life took a detour. And where did it take place? This was not in the city. No, we live out, we live out in the country, out, you know, in north, north of Indianapolis in the farm, farmlands in uh, Little Two Lane Road. And... You know, they, they talk about most accidents happen, you know, within, you know, 10 minutes of your home. We were a quarter mile from our house when, when we were in this wreck. So, yeah, it was right there. As a matter of fact, when the car came to a stop, we had turned around 180 degrees, and I was actually facing my house, you know, looking at it through the front windshield. So it was close. Yeah, I've heard the a comedian say one time, the average American lives a mile and a half from a McDonald's, and most accidents take place two miles from your home. So his advice was, as soon as you see the McDonald's, turn around and go home. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So you were at a, at a crossroads in the country in between fields of, of corn or wheat. Yeah. It was freshly planted. As a matter of fact, it was planting season and we were, we were driving, you know, one way and coming the opposite direction was a was one of those really large tractors. You know, I grew up in Western Pennsylvania and I thought, you know, we had big, big tractors, man, the, the farms out in the Midwest are like nothing I had ever seen. You know, they're huge. And the tractors are insanely big, like big enough that their wheels cover, you know, the yellow lines on both sides of the road, like they are wider than the road. And so whenever they're going from field to field, they have to go way over onto the, you know, they're into the grass on the side of the road and they're still hogging up part of your lane. And that's what was happening. I was going one way, tractor was coming the opposite direction. And, you know, they don't go very fast, 10, 15 miles an hour at most. And there was a line of cars behind them. And as we, as we passed, I, I looked ahead of me, I could see a mile and a half behind me. I could see a mile and a half. There was nobody in front of me, nobody behind me. And as I passed the last car in that little line following him, my car exploded. I saw a flash of black and the car exploded. I mean, it absolutely exploded, bucked around, spun, just violent. I instantly was blind. All I could see was white and ended up in a field. And the white disappeared as the airbag deflated down. And across from me, on the other side of the road, in the other field, you know, neither of us were on the road anymore, was this car that was just absolutely mangled. And I thought, what? How? How did that happen? You know, who you, who hit him? And then, and then, uh, you know, I, I, I didn't know. I wouldn't know what would happen until after the police report 
came out months later that explained that a, a woman that was high on marijuana was was driving towards the tractor, you know, same lane as the tractor, foot on the gas, 55 miles an hour. She never saw the flashing lights. She never saw the traffic that was in front of her. And she plowed into that last car as I was passing it, foot on the gas, 55 miles an hour, and drove that car right into us head on. And so that was the flash of black that we saw was the, the, the SUV that hit us that was being driven into us was a black SUV. She ended up, she never took her foot off the gas. She was 400 yards into one of those fields before she stopped. So, and I, I saw that too, because I was actually facing her and I thought, what's that car doing way out in the field? You know, 400 so yards. Yeah. Yeah. That's she was amazing. way out. So they landed two life flight helicopters between the other car that was, you know, in the opposite field of me and her, they had enough room to land two helicopters and still have plenty of space between all of them. So I mean, imagine the distance that's pretty far. So her car went 400 yards. The force of, of what hit your car must've been insane. What, tell us what happened just to the car before we talk about what happened to you, what happened to your car? So the, the car was like just absolutely totaled. It totaled enough that when it was all said and done and it was taken to the wrecking yard, it, it became a crime scene because of the injuries. And the, they they didn't know at the time that the, the woman was under the influence. But just because of the gross injuries, they, they deemed it a crime scene. So they impounded it. But the guy at the wrecking yard, my, my brother-in-law, went to go retrieve some items. And, you know, the the, the owner of the wrecking yard uh gave him his condolences and said, oh, I'm so sorry. Who, who was in this car? He said, Oh, it's my brother-in-law. He said, I I'm so sorry for your loss. And he said, Oh no, he, he lived. And the guy was like, impossible. He's like, I've been doing this for 40 years. You know, this is not survivable. So it was the, the whole front end was just completely smashed. The engine was driven back into like where I sat. There was a side impact and it caused me to go sort of across the seat and it, it my body bowed the door out to where it almost bowed in half. It looked like somebody folded my driver's side door in half. And that was from the impact on my body. Just, I mean, it was just, the car was just mangled. And and the car in front of me that, you know, cause I'm in one field spun 180 degrees around and, and there's, a, you know, across the road is another car in the field. That car looked just as bad as mine. And I, you know, I even thought, oh, that poor guy, but like I saw him get out. <laughs> and I was like, wow, you know, that's awesome. I couldn't get out. I was, the, the car collapsed around me and, and actually it, it just, it just folded around me and, and it pinned me in. I, I was trapped in the car for two and a half hours. Oddly enough, another miracle, the damage, we'll talk about that at another time, but the damage that I sustained was so bad. There were things that happened that I should have bled out and I didn't. And one of the, one of the theories uh, that the doctors have is the car actually collapsed around me so tight and squeezed my body. It was like a tourniquet. Just basically, it was direct pressure all over me with steel. <laughs> so, wow. yeah. In the book, The Mystic Next Door, <clears throat> on the cover, you can see you're looking at a side view of the van from the driver's side, and you can just see the the whole f hood and the engine is mangled and that you can see that the airbag had deployed and, 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 and from this, this picture shows that they must've cut out the, the center post. Yeah. yeah between the front and back. Cause I was wedged in that. If you flip the book over, yeah. there's a picture of me in it. And if you look closely, you can see that I'm actually wedged 
one shoulder blade is on one side of that post and the other shoulder blades on the other. And it's buried so deep into my back that you, you barely can see it. But yeah, that it was, it was pretty, pretty violent. I mean, just absolutely violent, most violent thing I've ever been through, you know, and I, I played football, like, you know, you've had those hits that were just like, made you forget who you were for a minute. This was nothing. I mean, this was, this was the equivalent of falling off of a 10 story building. You know, it was, it was a big hit. And the, the picture on the back, as you said, that is more vivid to me than the picture on the front, because you can just, and, and the angles from the kind of the front left side and the car just looks terrible. I can see you uh, pinned against the post. The thinking about what that did to the car is one thing because the, the windshield is shattered and the, the hood is mangled. The, the tires are both <laughs> not just out of alignment, just out, out of everything. So that, that wheel, the front driver's side wheel, if you look at where it is, it's actually where my legs are. And that was what was caused me to be pinned. The wheel was driven back into my legs. And something about that picture on the back, and this is a teaser for your folks to get the book in it. It's a, I wanted that picture on the front cover, but my editor and some other people said it's just too graphic and it's too violent. And the, the picture with you extracted in the front is better. It's not as horrifying to look at, but we decided to put it on the back because there's something on that picture that, that tells you what this story is going to be about. But my wife took that picture and she probably took hundreds of pictures that day, right? I mean, wow. this might be the last time she sees me is where we were at on that, you know? And there's, of all the hundreds of pictures she took, that picture is the only one that looks like that. The picture is very cl cloudy. It's very foggy. And there's two rays of light coming down right by my shoulders. Yeah. And, you know, I put the Bible quote about the Lord sending his angels because uh, the, the accident, as we'll come to find out as we talk about it, was unsurvivable on, on both a, a physics standpoint and a medical standpoint. And, and so... Yeah, that when I found out about the book and I got a copy and I want to tell you, I read it in, in one sitting. It's just it's really well written and it's really it's really gripping. And, and it's, it's short. That's the big thing. If you hate to read, you know, this story is not written by me. The Lord helped me tremendously write this book. And it's it's even perfect for the reader that hates to read because it's with pictures. It's like one hundred and twelve pages. So when you take the pictures out. It's like 90. So. And I read it. I recommend you can people can find it on Amazon, but but there's also what is it? The, the presence of God encounters dot com is the website. Yeah. Yeah. Or the or even the mystic next door dot org or Ed dot com. I mean, I've, I've made it as easy as possible. Any of those ways will get you to it. It's much better to get it to me. Get it through me. I don't charge. If you if you want to leave a donation, you can. If you don't, I'll send it to you for free. It's it's just about getting God, God's message out. What happened to the car is one thing. It's it's kind of mind boggling to think about how your vehicle can end up looking like a pretzel. Because when we're driving our cars, we think that we're perfectly safe. What really struck me, Ed, was describing how your body was pinned in, especially when you said that your toes were pressed against your shins. Tell yeah. us about, tell us about what happened to your, your body, what the, what the impact did to your body. 
So, uh, you know, when it, when it first happened, it was so it it was so outside of the realm of possibility, right? Everything ahead of me is clear. Everything behind me is clear. There's no reason in the world why the car should just explode, right? And it does. So, I'm, first off, I'm left one blind for moments, right? Because the the airbag. I don't know it's the airbag because I can't imagine that the car wrecked and 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 made the airbag go off. So all I know is is that there's this violence happening around me. I'm blind. As it came to the rest airbag, I realized, okay, I'm in a wreck. And I think, okay, this is a dream because there's no way I could have been in a wreck. And then, and then the pain started creeping in and I thought, wow, this really hurts. And I'm like, I should wake up. It hurts so much. I should be waking up. You know, normally you have a dream and you know, at some point the, the stimulus in the dream wakes you up, right? If you stub your toe in the dream, you're like, oh, and then you wake up and you're like, well, that was a weird dream. That's what I was expecting. But it, I wasn't waking up. And then I noticed I couldn't breathe. Like, literally, like, not that it was hard to breathe. Like, it, it was like somebody put a plastic bag over my mouth. It, I just couldn't get air in. And then, that, then panic set in. And, and in my mind, I'm like, okay, I am, I'm definitely dreaming because I, I can't breathe. I need to wake up. I need to wake up. I need to wake up. And it, but it didn't. It never changed. It just got worse and worse and worse. And I finally realized, okay, this is real. I, I am, I was in a wreck and oh, oh my goodness, I can't breathe. And the pain is literally driving me out of my mind. And it wasn't just one spot. It was the, it was like I was dipped in a tank of pain, my whole body, hair to my toenails. And so, um, what happened to me was, uh, yeah. So the, the, that wheel that got driven back, uh, into me pushed the, the, you know, the gas pedal and the, and the brake pedal, it, it pushed my, sh my, the, the, the tops of my feet, the toes of my feet were pushed back and touching my shins. And then I have a, I have a list here. I'm going to read it because so many things happen that it's really hard for me to remember. So my spleen was ruptured in the, in the accident and it was, it was the highest level that you can have. Again, this is miracle number one. It has a 20 minute lifespan, 20 minutes. You have to live with the injury that I have before you bleed out. I, it, I, it would be two and a half hours before I was extracted and five hours before I got to surgery. So again, imp the uh, doctors opened me up and had, they knew that something miraculous had happened because I shouldn't have been alive because of the, the impact. I had multiple abrasions and bruises to, to all my organs. Both of my lungs were collapsed which was one of the reasons why I couldn't breathe. The other reason was that the steering wheel you couldn't see because it was buried inside of my chest. I had eight broken ribs. The muscles between the ribs, the intercostal muscles on my left side where the impact was, were actually herniated out. And so that, that is another, that's injury number two. That injury does not have a name because no one except me in all of history has lived through that. It, that injury has been seen. Blunt force trauma injuries, they see it a lot in people that jump off of buildings where the, where the muscles herniate out between the ribs. So that, that, didn't even have a, that didn't have a fix. They had to study that for months to figure that out. They don't have an ICD-9 code for that in the hospital. <laughs> they, you know, they ended up just calling it an abdominal wall hernia. To, to get so that they could have insurance pay for it. Wow. Yes, that's in that. No one has ever picked that up by you. Or <laughs> that's <laughs> awesome. The left, my left arm had a compound fracture in the forearm, and then that bone was actually sheared off. The, the protruding bone was sheared off in the, the wreck. I had cartilage, tendon, ligament damage in both wrists. The right forearm, the, the ulna, was driven into the palm of my hand 
on my right side. I had a dislocated and shattered left hip. Basically, the femur was driven through the backside of my hip and shattered it. Compound fractures to both of the bones in my lower right leg, and those bones were also sheared off. And then that side impact that took me across that steel pillar tore the skin off of my back. I had 10 fractured vertebrae, six herniated discs, and uh, the lenses were damaged in both of my eyes. They actually folded over from the impact. So that's where we're at. When I and, and, and tremendous blood loss is one of the things that I didn't talk about. But as I started pondering things, another miracle that my, my blood level when I got to the hospital, the, the, the hemoglobin level was lower than it, it was in the fours. Right. So normal number for that is 14 is low. And I was in the fours. So not enough blood to basically for the blood for the heart to be able to pump it through the body. So I was a, <laughs> I wasn't a walking miracle because I wasn't walking, but I, I was a living miracle. And so, yeah, that was the damage. Here's the other miraculous thing is that there were nine people all told in this, in this crash, the SUV across from me, the one that, that was pushed into me was just as damaged as mine. I mean, I, I looked at it and like I said, I was really surprised that the guy got out. He had a foot injury, was treated and released that night. No, wow. no The woman that caused the wreck, it was the same thing. Foot injury, treated and released. She had three or four children in her car, no, no injuries to them. And the three other kids that, you know, my two kids and the neighbor boy, they had some broken bones. Like we didn't know the two boys in the back seat had broken collarbones from the seatbelts, but that wasn't discovered until days later when they were still complaining about their shoulders hurting and they went and got x-rays and showed that they had broken scapulars, you know, from the seatbelt. My daughter had a little bit of damage to a knee that years down the road required surgery. And there was at that point, we weren't sure, well, was it aggravated from the wreck or was it a long time thing? She's athletic. So, and she did get an ear concussion, which I didn't even know there was such a thing, but just like your head gets rattled against your ball. Uh, or your brain gets rattled against your skull with a head concussion, an ear concussion, the inner ear gets rattled against everything. And and so she does have some long-term effects. L- loud noises hurt that ear and uh, things like that. She had to, when she was in school, she had to quit band because, the, you know, being in the band room with all that noise was, was kind of painful for her. But, it, but all told, miraculously, of, of the nine people that were in there, it was as if all of the all of the damage, all the fury of that wreck was focused on me. And I, you know, if you can hear it in my voice, I, I thank God for that. Because, you know, at some point when I was better in the hospital, well enough that my wife thought it was okay for my kids to see me, and they walked in, I thought, oh my God, but for the grace of you, that could be me walking in and looking at my child. And I don't think I could have taken that. So, man, what a blessing what a blessing to my family and to the rest of those families that none of those kids or any of the other people that, that were involved had to deal, had to feel what I felt. So I, man, I, I'm just overwhelmed with thanks for the Lord for that. This is so amazing to hear you describe this because it's a horrific accident. And yet you're saying it was the best day of your life. Yeah. It was a horrific accident, and you're glad that the injuries 
came your way rather than someone else's ways. And just to put in perspective all of the things that you went through physically, I can just share with the audience that when I was 18, I had a spontaneous pneumothorax. My lung collapsed. It was one of the most, one of the most painful things ever because I couldn't breathe. I, that was just one lung collapsed. And just walking, walking about 50 yards, I was sweating profusely. I, mm. I was gasping for, for air. I can't imagine having both lungs collapsed yeah. and other injuries that affected your ability to breathe. Just to, just thinking about all of the injuries that you went through, it's, it's staggering. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And again, a teaser for them is that the, the Lord used, you know, the reason I'm thankful for this is because of you know what I hope we talk about in the coming ex- episodes is the mystical visions that he gave me after all of this. And, and it, that is what changed my life and had this accident never have happened. Perhaps those mystical visions would have never happened. And I would have been on, you know, the wrong path. Let, let me share with your listeners now, you know, that morning of that wreck, if you would have asked me, are you going to heaven? I would have told you absolutely. See, I, I was, I was a cradle Catholic. I took my faith for granted. I learned it as a child in, in Sunday school, and that was the level I understood it. I understood it on the level of a child. Now, the Lord tells us that we should, you know, have faith in him like a child. That's not what I'm talking about, and I think we all know that, right? We learn it as children with kind of not the greatest intellect, right? And that's it. We're we're comfortable learning our religion on a third grade level and being a 46-year-old man like I was and saying, yeah, man, I get it. I, I know it like a third grader, you know, that what and, and what could we do in our world that we would be successful if we only understood things on the level that we did when we were in third grade, right? If we put no more effort into it, that's who I was. That's what I was doing. And so, yeah, I thought I was going, I was living, you know, by the world's standards. I was a pretty good guy. You know, I wasn't killing people. I wasn't stealing. I wasn't, I wasn't doing all those really bad things like you see other people doing. You know, I was pretty good. You know, I, I went to church most of the time, you know, unless something really important was going on. And I say that, and I, I'm embarrassed by that now. You know, now I understand that there is nothing more important than going to Mass. And the fact that the Catholic Church makes it so incredibly easy for us to get to Mass on the weekend, right? We got Saturday. We got like 18 Masses. There's Catholic churches everywhere for most of us, right? At least in your listening area, most likely, right? In in Indiana, in in Ohio, you, you can't drive more than 20 minutes and not find another church, right? And so there is no reason that we cannot make it to mass. But, you know, for me, if, if the, if my favorite football team was playing close by and I could get tickets and then take the family and be like, well, that's a family thing. God's happy about that. So we're all doing this as a family. And, and no, those are the world standards, right? The world tells us that God's happy like that. The enemy tells us, no, our obligation, and it isn't even an obligation. I realize now that the Lord feeds us at mass. I mean, literally physically and spiritually. And and the, the reason we need to go to Mass is for our sake, to feed us, to, to nourish us, to get us through to the next week, right? And here I am starving my family 
for some worldly thing. Right. And so that, that's why I got to look at a new perspective because all the worldly things were taken away. And I realized that having the worldly things taken away didn't matter. But at some point, I'm going to do a spoiler here. I lost God. So God was taken away. And I lived in a place without him. And I can tell you that you can take everything I have in the world, everything, every single thing I have in the world, and I will be completely happy as long as I still have God. See, because we don't know what real pain is until we lose the Lord. Now, all that physical pain, I mean, we can imagine what I felt, all that physical pain, but at some point I'm going to go to a place where I lose the Lord. And if you told me that I could spend one second in that place without God, or a thousand years at the peak of my pain, I would take the thousand years at the peak of my pain because, because see, that's not really pain compared to losing God. And that's why this was the best day of my life, see, because I didn't know that before. And that's why we're talking now, because we want to share this with other people. And the thing that's so striking about your story, Ed, and as I think about the seven sorrows of Mary, perspective your story is sharing perspective and i interviewed a, a marine a veteran russ on episode 31 of our podcast and he said perspective is one of the things that the seven sorrows rosary gives him and hearing your story gives us perspective on the challenges that we're facing day to day the other thing is that you said in hindsight this was a blessing and that's another thing that we can learn through the seven sorrows because going down to Egypt, the flight into Egypt, in hindsight, that was a good thing because it saved Jesus's life and it saved him so that he could save us. Another thing is that God uses suffering as a pretext to draw us closer to him. And you can see that come through in your story. And that is one of the main lessons of the seven sorrows rosary. And then also I'm thinking about Brian who came to our conference and struggling with an addiction and freed from the addiction, wanting to help other people. And that's what I hear you wanting to do is through that suffering is to help other people. And that is something that we can see our blessed mother exhibiting that, especially standing at the foot of the cross. But there's so many lessons to be learned from your story. And I see so much, so much overlap with the seven sorrows. It's, it's really amazing thank you so much for sharing this this story with us and don't worry can I, um, those of you who are listening because there's more to come <laughs> can i and, share one quick thing one quick yeah. thing before we go about that so you know the lord is always with us always and i've learned that and so there are some things that i've learned you know in these other world this other world that i went to in these experiences that apply to all of us so one of these is the lord is always with us and while the Lord does not place hardships in our life, he definitely uses them to draw us closer to him. And he places blessings within them, right? And so it, it's the idea that we have to wake up and see that. But, man, I can tell you that my recovery would have been impossible without the Lord. And I realized that that footprints poem, you know, where you look behind and there's two sets of footprints. And then when things get really bad, there was one. And the guy says, why did you leave me? What I went through, what I recovered from was impossible 
And like, I look at it now and I say, oh yeah, it was impossible. And it just seemed like he carried me because there's no way I could carry myself. So suffering is such a gift, such a blessed gift. If only we would use it wisely. And that's what, that's what St. Padre Pio would always say. Yeah, that's right. The best news about this episode as we're wrapping it up is that there's more to come. So thank you for joining us today, you, you listeners. Ed, thank you for joining us and sharing this with us. And, and one question for the listeners is who can you share this podcast with to tell them that, they're, that they can have perspective in suffering, that in hindsight, suffering can, ter- can appear as a blessing, that God uses suffering as a pretext to draw us closer to him, and that suffering is an opportunity for us to, to grow and then help other people because we can have sympathy for them in that, in that suffering. Tune in for our next episode. I'm Carl Brown. This is the EverybodySuffers.com podcast. After all, everybody suffers. So how can I pray for you? You can email me your prayer request at Carl at EverybodySuffers.com. And even if you don't email me your prayer request, I'm still going to be praying for you. My hope is that through this podcast, I can help you make sense out of suffering so that either you experience consolation or you could share consolation with others. Ed, you had shared with us a couple different ways that people could get in touch with you. And one of them is the mysticnextdoor.org, right? Yeah, the .org, yeah, yeah. And presenceofgodencounters.com. So check yeah. out this book and join us for the next episode tomorrow. Thank you so much, Ed. Hey, thanks, Carl, for having me. As, as usual, loved being here. Okay, Our Lady of Cabejo, pray for us. Our Lady of Sorrows, pray for us. God bless you all. Have a great day. God bless.